Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. So glad that you are here today. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I always like, I always like, you know that like we give like a thousand welcomes here. Our you know, worship director he welcomes you when he when when he starts, and uh, uh, whoever's doing our announcement time they always welcome you. But I always like to welcome you too because I want you to know that I'm glad you're here too. You know, um, and, and it's very important. We like we we want to create this atmosphere where everybody feels welcome, everybody feels at home, that this is a place that you can be safe, this is a place you can be comfortable in, and, and I'm, so I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you chose to be here today, and if you haven't been here in a while, we missed you, we're glad you're here, and if there's somebody that's not here today, we miss them already, you know, and we, want, we, want to, we hope that we see them again soon. Um, so thank you for joining us here again today. Um, um, Pastor Gabriel, in case you didn't know, uh, we we are in, right in the middle of a sermon series called "Shut Down: Seeking God Above All Else." Seeking God above all else. Now, I, I want I want y'all to know, like this this sermon series is um, it's based off of a book that I haven't written, <laughs> um, and it's a it's a book that I've been writing, I've been working on, and I'm gonna tell y'all y'all preaching to y'all has helped me. Uh, uh, get more material for this because sometimes I procrastinate. But <laughs> I, you know, I, I follow a couple of writers on Twitter and they're always like, this is how you write. This is the writing process. You have an idea for a book and then you get on Twitter and spend three hours there. And then you spend 10 hours staring at your computer screen and then you go back to Twitter. And that's just how it works. You, you don't even write anything. But that's how it feels. That's how it feels. But I, I lo- I've loved this series. I love this topic of being able to seek after God above all else. And the title of my message for today is Going Deeper. Going Deeper. So if you would allow me today, I'm going to do a little bit more of teaching rather than preaching. And even if you don't allow me, I'm going to do it anyway because that's what I prepared for you. So I, I just want to say a word of prayer real quick before we get into the word and so that God would, uh, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and that we might open our hearts and minds to him today. Father God, I ask that you speak to us, Holy Spirit. I ask that you open us up to what you have to say. Sometimes we can be stubborn. Sometimes we don't want to say here. Or sometimes we might think, oh, I already know this, God. But help us to hear what you have intended for us in your word today. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you've missed out already for the past couple of weeks of our series, um, that's okay. You can go back on our YouTube channel or on the podcast on Spotify or on Apple and Google Play. Uh, we've got what's going on. But I have been talking about uh, a, few different way, a few different things about what it means to seek after God. What it means to seek after God. Uh, to, to get rid of distractions. What are the distractions in our lives uh, that we face? So today, though, I want to I talk about what it means to go deeper. And I'm going to start, 
well, not I'm going to start. This message is going to maybe sound basic to you in some parts of it. Because I'm going to talk about two things that we know about, that we've been talking about. And maybe you're thinking, why is he waiting until week three to get to this? But, because I'm going to talk today about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And yes, it might seem odd that I'm getting there, but sometimes we we think we're in the right headspace when it comes to what we know about prayer and fasting. We think we know what we're doing. We think we, we know what's going on. When there still can be so much that we can still learn from, from, from what the Word says of prayer and fasting. What we can learn from each other, what we can learn from the Holy Spirit. And these things might seem basic, but they are essential to the Christian faith. If you think about any kind of athlete, they never abandon the basics. In fact, when they're training, that's where they start. They start at the basics. No matter how long an athlete has been training, they always start with the basics. Because that is the foundation of what they do. If they don't have that foundation, then everything else is going to be sloppy. If anything, if, if, if any show or TV show about martial arts or anything has ever taught me anything, I don't know if you're, ever, you're interested in stuff like that. Like, I, I like anime and martial arts movies and stuff like that. And there will always be a master, and the master will be training his pupil, and the pupil's like, oh, I need more advanced techniques, I need more advanced techniques. He's like, well, if you would do the basic things I taught you, you would be better at what you're doing now. You wouldn't need the advanced techniques because the basics will hold you in your fight. The basics will hold you in the battles to come. But, but we, we want to ignore the basics. We want to get past it because I want to go deeper. But in order to go deeper, we have to start at the foundation. We have to start at the foundation. Because if we don't ignore them, we are going to see the effects that a lack of prayer and a lack of fasting in our lives will have over our lives, over our faith, and over our relationships even. Because prayer affects everything. Prayer is our connection with God. We've heard that prayer is a conversation with God. And I think we forget about that basic format of it. It's, it's really, that's what it is. I, I love when I hear kids pray. Because kids they, they talk to God like God is their friend. They, they don't know, you know, any better. We, we think, well, no, you know, you shouldn't pray like that or things like that. But, you know, they pray for everything. They pray for their teddy bears. They pray for their toys. They pray for their parents. They pray for anything, you know. To, you know, I, I remember um, I was reading a book in, uh, about prayer, and the author was talking about how his kids prayed for uh, prayed and said, let us have pizza tonight, God. You know, that's what I want tonight. Let's pray for pizza. And kids just, they just pray like that because they, they, under, they, they have this understanding of prayer that we forget as we get older, that it's a conversation with God. And, and fasting is so important too because these two things, when, when brought together, that, that's what this whole season is about. When brought together, they can see, we can see transformation, we can see change, we can see breakthrough in our lives. But we don't like it. We don't, we don't like it. We, we, well, I don't have time for prayer. Do I really need to fast? Do, do I really need that? So, so today, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about prayer first. And then we're going to talk about fasting. So let's get to prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. That's where we're going to start today. Matthew chapter 6, 
verses 5 to 8. And um, if you don't have it with you today, or if you don't have the Bible, you can just listen uh, to me right now. And uh, hopefully you can follow along. Uh, Matthew, 5, Matthew 6, 5 to 8. And when you pray, so first of all, Jesus is saying you should pray. Um, you should pray. You know, if you're not praying in your life right now, I know life can get busy and hectic, but you should pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask them, even before you ask them. And so um, Jesus is talking to his disciples here right now, and he's giving them a lesson. And this, is, this lesson is part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most famous parts of what Jesus taught throughout his lifetime. We know we go back to it a lot. And it's because it's, it's full of rich theology and rich teaching that we learn about God and who he is and what he, what he asks of us. And so Jesus is telling us about prayer, what prayer is supposed to be, how we should pray, uh, what, what it means to pray. Because I think we forget what it's supposed to be about. You know, Jesus tell, gives us some good advice to follow here. Don't pray like the pagan. Don't, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, be, don't pray to be seen. You don't pray so that you can, so that people can know you pray. There are some spe- people that think that they're spiritual and they tell everyone all the time when they're praying. You know, I'm praying right now, guys. And you know, that might be a good way if you want to pray for people that are online or something like that. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm praying right now. What are your prayer requests? But that's not what these people do. Instead, they pray so that people can think that they're spiritual. And so they stand in front of people. They shout their words and things like that. Sometimes I've wondered about that growing up through, through, through my life through a church. You know, sometimes you have people that start like yelling their prayers. And I know sometimes it's the spirit of God. It's, just, it's the Spirit of God, and they come over them, and they're praying over the church. But then sometimes I wonder, I think that they're just, like, putting on a show. They want people to think that they're spiritual. But God tells us prayer is supposed to be this secret, intimate thing between us and God. There is power in corporate prayer, too, which is coming together to pray. But he says, when you're praying, when you're seeking after God, it is an intimate act. It is, it is, a, it is a quiet thing. Go to the secret place, he tells them, and seek after God. This, this kind of prayer, this, this kind of intimate prayer that God is asking, uh, that Jesus was telling us to pray about, uh, erases a lot of the things we think about prayer because we come to God often in prayer when we need something, as if God was a genie in a bottle. Rub the lamp. You know, I don't know if you've seen the latest version of Aladdin. It was all right. Um, we rub the lamp. The genie comes out and gives us wishes. And that's how sometimes we treat God. That's how we treat God. We want him to be the answer to our prayers. We pray and we demand that he gives us advice on life, we demand that he he gives us cars and jobs and money and blessing, and we we want all of these things from God, and so that's what we want from God. But but Jesus says that's that's not 
ultimately what it's for. It's for you and God. It's this connection between you. God isn't a genie in a bottle. Instead, he is your father. He is your friend. He is your God who wants to connect with you. And that's what prayer is supposed to be. But instead, we just ramble on sometimes. I, I don't know about you. So I, I don't have this problem. I have the problem of often not knowing what to say when I pray. I don't know if you, you end up in, I, I don't know if you've ever started a, a time of prayer and you're like, you know what? I have all this list of things that I need to pray for. And I'm, I'm going to spend like half an hour in prayer. I'm going to spend an hour in prayer today. And you go at it and you're just praying and praying and praying. And then you're like, oh man, it must have been a long time. Two minutes have passed. And you're like, I've run out of time. I've run out of words. I, I know nothing now. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? I did everything. But Jesus tells us, Sometimes that might be enough, you know. He, he tells us, don't just keep talking for the sake of talking, because that's what the pagans do. That's what people do when they're calling out to a God who isn't there and who isn't listening. They just talk and they talk and they talk and they want someone to listen to them. But the benefit we have is because prayer is such an intimate thing, is that he is listening to us. God is listening to us. So we don't need to be praying empty prayers. We don't need to be praying nonsense prayers, just, just, just yelling out to the sky as if no one is listening, because God is listening. This is such an intimate thing that prayer is. Such an intimate thing. But how do we do it? Like, I, I think that's a legitimate question. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a believer of Jesus for a long time. Sometimes I wonder still if I'm doing it right or if I'm doing it wrong. I don't know about you. But especially for those that might be new, it's like, well, I don't, I've never prayed in my life. Like, that's not something that I'm used to. I'm not used to, to praying. I'm not used to being able to, to, to do this on a regular basis. Or maybe some people grew up in a tradition where prayer was a recited uh, a thing to be memorized. It was a thing that you were supposed to memorize, a certain type of prayer, and this is what you prayed. This was your prayer. It wasn't intimate or personal. It was just a, a memorized quotation that you give to God. So the disciples had this question too, and and they had grown up praying. They had grown up going to synagogue every week. They had grown up being taught the scriptures. They had been grown up reading the stories of, of of the prophets and the leaders of Israel praying to God, and yet they still ask the questions, well then God, teach us to pray. How, how should we pray? And so Jesus talks to them again. He's like, all right, if you don't know how to pray, I'll tell you. I'll, tell you. I'll show you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Uh, and this is also found in Luke chapter 11 and a couple of other places. But uh, for this purpose, I'm, I'm reading it here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. He says, "Then this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the the version in Luke chapter 11 adds another part to the prayer where Jesus says, For yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus teaches the disciples to pray and he says, I'll pray. 
But we, we might fall into the temptation to thinking that this is, this is the prayer that we need to pray. When we come to God and pray, this is all we do. We just say this prayer and we're done. That's it. That's prayer. But that's not what he was saying. He said this instead is a template for us to follow when we come to God in prayer. How should we pray? This is the model Jesus models to us. He says, if you want to know how to pray, this is how you pray. And so there, there are some key things here that model how we should pray. And they're so important to us that I think we, we don't even think about it when we come to God in prayer. You know, I don't know how you pray. But for a long time in my life, I, I was really, uh, you know, thank you, God, for this day. I always start my prayers usually that way. And I tell God, you know, thank you for what you've done today and things like that. And then immediately I just like, okay, so here, here's, here's the meat of the prayer, God. I need something. And trying to shake down God with prayer. We would just try to get what we want from him. And then it ends. It's like, all right, that's all I need. Thank you. Amen. Or we're praying for our food. God bless the food. Like, I'm a, I'm a believer in short prayer for food. Uh, I know that uh, there are some people that like to pray for their food, and they like to pray, pray revival and uh, blessing for all the people that don't have food and everything all over the world. And, you know, I, I commend you for that. I commend you. But I am hungry. So in the name of Jesus, bless this food. Amen. Thank you. Let's eat. Like, that's my prayer for food. But Jesus tells us that when we're supposed to pray, we have this format. And it's so important that we think about this way of praying when we come to God. Because it will greatly enhance our prayer lives. First off, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy be your name. God, Jesus starts off his prayer by praising God. By giving God glory. This is really important. This is so important because it reminds us who we're talking to. It reminds us who we're talking to. Because sometimes, I for, you know, God is our friend, but he, he is also God. And we, we might forget that. We might forget who he is and what he's capable of doing and, and that he's just there to listen to our problems. He is there to listen to your problems. He wants to hear them, but he is more than that too. He is capable of so much more. And when we start our prayers in in thanks, when we start our prayers in praise and and worship, recognizing and giving glory to who he is, we get into a new dimension uh, of faith. We get into a new dimension of faith because it's more than just thank you. You know, thank, gratitude is great, and we should always be thankful for God. But when Jesus is talking here about giving glory to God, it wasn't about thanking God for what he has done. Because that's typically how our praise goes. We praise God because he's done something for us. You know, uh, God, you give me this, I give you thanks. That's, how, that's our transaction here. This is a transactional prayer, transactional worship. But God, Jesus is asking us here that don't, don't think that way. Instead of trying to get something from him when you're thanking him or you're thanking him for something he's done, just because of who he is, he already deserves that glory. He already deserves that prayer because he's the God that is more powerful than any other in the world. He's the one that is above all things. He's the one that can do anything. He's the one that's always with us. He's always there. This is who he is. So by nature of who he is, he already demands that. And even if you don't do it, the Bible says the rocks will cry out. Creation worships him already because it knows. Even the parts of creation that, that, that are inanimate, they know who he is. 
and they give him worship. And when we are able to find ourselves in a place to be able to do this, I believe our prayer lives will will become so much richer and so much deeper because then we start to believe. When we start asking God for things, we remember who he is already. We remember what he can already do, that he is so much more than what we think he is. The second part that Jesus tells us is God May your kingdom come, your will be done. God's will be done. You know, we usually, you know, after thanking God or whatever, we get right into the, like, God, I need something. But Jesus says, before you, before you even get to that, before you get to what you need or what you want, you praise God and then you say, how can your will be done on earth? How can I be part of your will being done on earth? This This enhances our prayer life because it makes us remember that prayer is not just about us. It's about what we can do to serve others. It's about what we can do for God to bring his kingdom to heaven. Uh, Not to heaven, it's already there. On earth. You know what I mean. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And when we pray, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we become part of the work that God is doing. We become part of what we're doing. And that enhances our prayer life because then we start to see things that we wouldn't normally. We start to see how we can contribute to God's kingdom instead of what the kingdom can contribute to us. Come on, we're always going to church because we want something from God instead of how we can contribute to what God is doing on earth. How we can invest in other people's lives, how we can be a blessing to other people's lives instead of how God can be a blessing to us. Number three, then he says, now you ask for what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. That, that's what he's talking about. He said, right here, you are, now you can ask what you need from God. I think we get it confused, though, because a lot of times we go to God with wants instead of needs. God, I, I need a new car. No, do you... Your car works fine. Do you need a new car? Do you need a new phone? Do you need that? Or do you want it? God, I need those Jordans. Um, $370 pair of shoes? I don't know about that. I think you need shoes. I don't know about those. So we come to God asking for things. And a lot of times we confuse our need and wants, but we forget that God already knows what we need. He's already, he already is aware of what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our, in our heads. And to that, he tells us, don't worry about what you need because I've already got you. I've got you. I'm taking care of you. If I can take care of the birds that they got plenty enough food to eat, then you are going to be taken care of too. But he wants to hear it. But don't confuse needs with wants. There's nothing wrong with praying for something you want, too. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we should not confuse. I was reading this in the book earlier. I'm reading a book called Praying Through. And they were talking about needs versus wants in prayer. And they were saying what we need above all else, what we should want above all else is God. But sometimes our wants come through in our prayers as what we want more than God. But our number one want should be to be in his presence. And there is more that we can 
ask for of who he is rather than just stuff. Give us this day our daily bread. We, we ask God, God, please provide for me because I need to pay the bills. Yes, but God, draw me deeper into your presence because I need you more than I need food. I need you to sustain me more than anything else. I need strength because I'm tired. I need, I, I need more than just stuff. We ask for provision. Number four, we ask for forgiveness. And we forgive. We ask for forgiveness and we ask for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness is simple. You know, God forgive me. I done, I done did wrong. <laughs> I messed up. I screwed up today, God. I said something I shouldn't have in, in rush hour. I was stuck in traffic for an hour and oh, unpleasant thoughts came to my mind. <laughs> Traffic will do that to you. But we, we, do, we, we make mistakes, and it's easy for us to say, God, forgive me, because God will forgive us. And if you don't know that, I want you to know that. John 1, 9 tells us, if we are faithful and true to confess our sins, God is faithful and true to forgive us. So he will forgive us. But then he tells us, God, also forgive the ones that help us forgive the people that have sinned against us. Help us forgive the people that have debts to us. Things that we need, uh, are, are we're, we've been hurt by, or help us to forgive that, God. Because we cannot forgive. Uh, we, uh, I think we get it wrong sometimes. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to love people, yes. But we cannot do it without God. We cannot forgive without God because there is sometimes pain in our lives that is too much for us to handle on our own. There is forgiveness that we are not able to let go of on our own. And we need the supernatural power of God to come into us and say, I need your help to forgive. I need your help to forgive. The next one, strength. I got I to move on because he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is strength and protection. This is guidance. This is God lead me in the way that I need to go rather than in the way that I want to go. Because that's what the temptation is. Temptation is always something that you want. That's why we got to be careful with our wants when we come to prayer. Because we don't want to be tricked by the enemy. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes as an angel of light, disguised as an angel of light. So he knows what you want. And he says, here's this shiny new thing. And we want to believe that that's from God. Sometimes it's not. So he says, lead us in the right way. Don't lead us in temptation, but deliver us from that. Give us a way out. And and this is the, the most beautiful thing about that. He's already provided a way out. God tells us whenever there's temptation in our lives, he provides an open door. Sometimes we run away from the open door. But he provides an open door for us so that we can step away from that. And then if we're going to go back to Luke 11, it says, give God glory again. Your prayer starts in glory to God and ends in glory to God. Because everything in between can only be done and only accomplished if we are seeking out his name and his power and his glory above all else. This is how we get deeper into prayer. It's such a simple thing. And it's, we make prayer so complicated sometimes. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. Here it is. It's not, it's, not that e- it's not that difficult. It can seem like it, to be able to be open and vulnerable with God. But if we allow ourselves to step into this, this way of thinking, this way of praying, of giving God the glory, and then asking all of, of these things according to His will, we're going to see transformation in our lives. We'll see something different in our lives. So secondly, fasting. We're going to talk about fasting. 
fasting. This is the one topic that I think a lot of Christians avoid. We talk about fasting at the beginning of every year here at our church. And I think a lot of churches around the world talk about fasting every year. Every year at the beginning of the year. But it seems to me that if that's the one time that we do talk about fasting, and the rest of the year we're like, no, nah, nah, we, I did my fast. I'm good. I'm good. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. We're still in Matthew chapter 6 because Jesus has a lot to say to us today. And he tells his disciples, he says, so when you fast, so here it is, right again, cutting it off. When you fast. Some people are like, well, I don't got to fast. I don't think Jesus ever said I had to fast. Here it is, right here. When you fast. You're supposed to fast. We're supposed to fast. I'm not saying you have to fast all the time. Fast every day of the week. You know, do something all the time, every month or anything like that. No. But he tells us when you fast, fasting should be a key part of what we do as believers. Because fasting, I think we, un- we don't understand what it is. Some people think it's a diet. And in fact, some people are using it as diets. There are a lot of people that I've seen um, in the health and fitness world on YouTube and other things like that. They recommend a thing called intermittent fasting. And that's where you just like basically don't eat breakfast. Like for 12 hours you don't eat from when you go to sleep or when you wake up. I don't know if it's 12 or like 16. And it's supposed to be this thing that jump starts your metabolism and things like that. But it's become a trendy thing to fast that way so that you can lose weight. But fasting isn't a diet. Because fasting can be more than food. Fasting isn't just giving up food. Because that's what we think it is. I don't want to fast because I like food. I mean, I do too. Don't we all? You know, it's especially hard when you're trying to eat healthy and you have to give up the things that you want to eat. And that's, that's, that's dieting. But sometimes we treat fasting like a diet. Well, I'm just going to change my diet for a little bit. 21 days, for 10 days, something like that. I'll be all right. And so we treat it this way. We treat it so simplistically and we think, well, that's the thing. If I just do that, then that's going to be enough. That's going to get me to where I need to be. But it's so much more than that. And so Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. There are so many people I'm seeing. It's like, they're putting it out everywhere. It's like, oh, I'm fasting. I can't eat my favorite food today. Okay, we get it. Truly, I tell you, they have the received the reward in full. Verse 17, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So again, Jesus is talking about this is an intimate thing. This is supposed to be a way for us to connect with God. This is supposed to be with a way for us to reach out to our Father in Heaven who can see the things that we're struggling for. Fasting is about sacrifice. It's not about giving up things just to give up something. Because people do that all the time. There's a season that um, we don't often celebrate uh, it in the Pentecostal churches, but there's a season called the Lenten season. It's this period of 40 days between uh, Easter and, and Pentecost. It's when Jesus was, uh, was on earth. It's this time to celebrate that time. And during this time, there are believers around the world that they give up something for Lent. And it's a way of fasting to be able to get closer to God. But there are many people that do it out of tradition. And some of us We might even be fasting at the beginning of this year simply out of tradition because that's what we've always done. And it's not something to get us closer to God. It's just something we do. But it's more than that. Fasting is supposed to be uh, 
a way for us to connect with God, to draw closer with God, to be able to seek deeper things, to, to understand deeper things, to, to cry out to God for things that we might be struggling with. Historically, when we look at the Bible, fasting was used for a number of reasons. People fasted to be able to just increase their relationship with God, to draw closer to His presence. People fasted in the Bible because they were going through crisis. Their nation was going through crisis. They were going through crisis. And they said, God, I need this crisis to be resolved. So I'm going to sacrifice something so that I can hear from you. So that I can clear the distractions. There it goes. That's what it is. Clearing the distractions from our lives. Clearing the things that might be idols in our lives out of the way so we can see Jesus first. That's what fasting is supposed to be. Fasting isn't supposed to be just for you. Fasting, when we fast, Jesus said, don't don't make it obvious to people. Don't make it obvious because they should notice because of what you're doing while you're fasting. So I like this this, uh, few verses. I say few. Isaiah chapter 58, uh, verses 1 to 9. And... Here, the prophet Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel about just the stuff we were talking about right now. He says, you've been fasting and you fast and you think that people are noticing you and you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not even doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it for tradition's sake. You're doing it because you have to or someone asked you to, but you're not doing it for what I need you to. And so he tells the people of Israel, whoa, my notes jumped. Uh, He tells the people of Israel, shout it aloud and do not hold back. Raise your voice a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and that has not forsaken the command of God. They ask me for the just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, oof, this is what he tells them. He said, I love, the, I love this scripture. It's so powerful. Sometimes the word of God doesn't need any other explanation than the word of God. Because they're preaching themselves already. The, the prophet is preaching himself here. He says, look what you've done. You said that you thought you were seeking me out. You seem eager. But, but, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Sometimes we're fasting and we might be doing it for the right reasons. We might have the right intention in mind, but our actions don't match up with what we're trying to do. We say we're trying to come closer to God, but then we're still being cruel to people. We're, we say we want to get closer to God, but we're still uh, we're spreading hatred online. We say we want to be closer to God, but we're just ending up fighting with everybody and arguing with everybody about everything we disagree with. Everybody always seems mad about everything in this day and age. And Christians are no exception, and we do the same thing. We're just fighting with people, and we say we're fasting. We say we're seeking after God, yet it doesn't show. It doesn't show. God asks in verse 5, he says, Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? He's saying, you, you think that it's just this. All you're doing is putting on an appearance of holiness. 
You're showing people, you're telling people, on the outside, I seek God. But on the inside, there's so much more that is not toward looking for God. Is not this kind, and then and God tells us right here, this is the kind of fast that I want to see. This is what I want to see in people's lives when they say that they're fasting, when they say that they're praying. Verse 6, it's not, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? Come on. And untie the cords of the yoke to set free the oppressed and break every yoke? Verse 6, that's so important. A lot of Christians are more... Um, um, Oh, excuse me. A lot of Christians are more concerned with their comfort in this nation and more concerned with whether they can pray in school or pray and whatever. Let me tell you something real quick because I'm going to go on a tangent about this. I'm sorry, but I have to. We, we, there are so many believers that are so eager to get laws passed in this country that say that we can do things as a Christian. I'm going to tell you something. No law in this country can tell you whether or not you can pray or not. Even if the government says, no, you can't pray anyway. That doesn't matter. But we're so concerned with that. We're so concerned with being accepted that we want to oppress everyone else around us and force people into doing things that they don't want to do. God has not asked us to do that. That's one of the reasons why the Crusades were such a problem. I don't know if you know anything about history, but in the history time of the Crusades, there were so many people going in in the name of God starting war. And they would hold a sword to people's lives and say, convert or die. That is not what God wants us to do. Instead, the opposite, he says, set free the chains of injustice. Stop oppressing people. Take off the yoke. Love people. Accept people. Don't do that. That's not what I've called you to do. Verse 7, is it not that you share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, you clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Man, God even goes after them for attacking their own families. He says, you, you, some, of you, some of you might be seeking out and helping people that are not your family, and you do well with that, but some of you are ignoring your own family. He says, help your family, yes, but help people that are wandering. Help the foreigners, help the immigrant, help the, help the refugees, help the people who need it. Give food to the hungry. He calls them out for all of this. Verse 8, then, then, when you... When, when, This is what he says, then. He says, when you live in this kind of fasting, when you're seeking after me, and then your life starts to exemplify that, when you start loving instead of hating, when you start seeking after me genuinely and calling out to my presence, transformation happens. Not just in the situations that you're looking for, but transformation in your life, transformation in the lives of people around you and everybody you encounter. He says, then your light will break forth like a dawn and your healing will quickly appear. He said, you see that? That's crazy right there. I don't think we even think about that. He says, when you start helping other people and then your prayer, then your healing will come. We start thinking, well, if I do something for myself and if this fast is for myself, then my healing will come. He says, no, you fast and you help others, then your healing comes. Then your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You want to see the glory of the Lord in your life? He says, this is what you need to do. Be a force for good in the world. Be the force that I called the church to be in the world. The light for the hopeless. The, the, the light for those in darkness. Hope for the hopeless. That's what I meant to say. 
Be the ones that are a shelter for those who have no place to go. Be the ones that provide for those who don't have nothing to eat. When the church is that, when we're going out to the streets and calling people to the feast, saying, we have a place for you. God has a place for you. Then you will experience the glory of God. Then, verse 9, you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Fasting is a sacrifice that brings transformation. Not in you, yes, but in the people around you, in the church, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. If we are truly calling out to God, if we are seeking after him, this is what fasting will do for us. This is what prayer will do for us. But it's never going to do that if we're not doing it the right way. And there's different ways to fast. There's a a complete fast. I would not advise this unless you are under, you've already sought out medical advice and things like this. Because a complete fast is just like water and juices. That's a hard thing to do. I once did a complete fast, but just for a day. That's all I could handle. I was like, one day of water, that's it. Tomorrow I'm eating. Tomorrow I'm eating. <laughs> There's partial fast. You can, you can uh, decide, you know what, today I'm, I'm not going to eat lunch. That's my fast today, and I'm going to seek out God that way. Or there's types of fast that people do like called the Daniel fast. Daniel fast is uh, avoiding meats and sweets and things like that and mostly eating vegetables. You become a vegan for 21 days, basically. You know, a vegetarian. Well, maybe not a vegan. But... But if you're already a vegan, I don't know what to tell you. Um, there's a Daniel fast. That, that's one way of doing it. There's, complete, there, there's partial fasts. There, there might be a day. Maybe you're, it's just a few days. There, there's, no, there's no amount. There's, like, there's, there's biblical numbers that we see of how long we should fast. Maybe 21 days, 7 days, 3 days, 10 days. There's a lot. There's 40 days. That's the long one. But there's no limit. You, you fast until you feel like you need to keep fasting. You fast until God takes you to a place that you're looking for or you feel you've answered God. There might be, you may, maybe you're like, well, I don't know about giving up food. Like maybe I shouldn't do that. Or maybe you can't. Maybe you can't give up food. Maybe you're like an athlete or something like that. It's like, I, I can't give up food because then that messes up my training. That messes up what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, then there's other ways to fast. You know that the famous fast that we talk about, the Daniel fast. Daniel abstained from eating meats and sweets from the king's table. But it also says that he gave up lotion. So lotion, that's a weird thing to fast, but he fasted lotion. So he had some dry skin after 21 days. That's all I got to tell you that. But it doesn't have to be just that. It's about sacrificing something that might be important to you. Maybe you, you spend too much time on social media. And you need to take those apps off of your phone for a while. Delete Twitter, delete Facebook, delete Instagram. Delete YouTube. Maybe you've been binging too much and you need to give up Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. No, that's the new one out there. Amazon, whatever you have. Just delete the apps for a little while and say, you know what? I need to give that up for a while because that's taking up my time for me and God. There are ways to do it, but if we, there are different ways to do it. But the point is, no matter how we do it, we need to do it in the right spirit that God has asked us to do it in. Not seeking out just for ourselves, but looking out for the other people that are around us too. I'm about to finish here. I want you, I want to challenge you today. Make a resolution to go deeper. These things might be basic. They might seem basic. Because they're, they're some of the basic Christian disciplines. 
fasting, prayer, giving, going to church, worship. These things, they all seem, they, they seem so basic. Like, well, yeah, we know. We know we're supposed to do that. We know. But make a resolution to go deeper today. Don't stop short of the basics. There are so many Christians that they, they only scratch the surface of their relationship with God. They get saved and they coast on that for the rest of their lives. They don't ever go deeper. But there's so much more. The Bible tells us that God is without limits and is unfathomable. There's so much more that we can learn and know of Him. We shouldn't be just coasting through the Christian life. We, we shouldn't be just trying to scratch the surface. We should be trying to go deeper. He's telling us, go deeper today. Don't stop short. Fast. Pray. Seek me out. Then, and only then are you going to see breakthrough. If you're struggling right now in your life and there is something that you need, God is telling you, God, I'll tell you today, God is telling you, you need to start fasting today. You need to start praying today. You need to go deeper today. If there is something that you're praying for and, and, and you've been struggling with a, with a long time, today starts when your breakthrough happens, but it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. You're going to have to give some things up. You're going to have to be able to, to, to seek and push You're going to have to love people even when you're struggling. But God is going to be with you every single step of the way. And at the end of the journey, it's going to take you to a new place. I'm not going to say next level because it's not. Everybody always talks about going to the next level with God, next level. But it's going to take us deeper. We're going to become more intimate with God, know Him better. Prayer and fasting, they reveal the heart of God to us. Not just for us, but for everyone else. For everyone else. So today, my challenge, what I want to challenge you to do is, I want to, first of all, I want you to stand up. And I want everybody to be able to come to this altar today. I know sometimes I just ask you if you need prayer or whatever. But I want, I, want, I want you to know, God is looking for you. He's trying to talk to you. He's trying to get something across to you today. And he's telling you, I want you to talk to me so I can tell you what you need to do next. Let's go deeper as a church today. Let's go deeper personally today as a church today so that we can see where God wants to take us next. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for your word. But God, I know that there are some people here, they're struggling today. They're struggling. They're struggling with something in their life. They're battling. Maybe they're battling with a sickness that they haven't told anybody about. Maybe they're battling with difficulties in their family. Maybe they're battling with their faith and doubt. They're, they're, they're struggling, God. Maybe there's someone in their life that they're praying for. It's not even for them today. But God, they're struggling for somebody else. And they want something more. They want something deeper. Here today, as a church, we come together and we cry out to you, God. We come before you humbling ourselves. If there are some of us that are fasting today, I pray that what they're praying for, God, is answered. I pray that as they seek you, that they would seek out the benefit of others as well. That they would love people. That they would open doors for people. They would welcome people. That they would help those who are in need, God. 
so that they can see their healing, they can see their breakthrough. So that they can see their breakthrough, God. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystories. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Have a blessed week.